All right, welcome to another edition of Shooting the Shot podcast with Jasper Varun and myself, Raman. First week of the NHL season, the shortened COVID season has ended and the Leafs have played three games. Last weekend, we thought they're going to be playing two, but I guess this is what happens. And we're two and one. So we'll just get right into it. What did you guys think of the first few games? How did we do? Well, well, uh, I thought that they did uh, pretty good in the first game. A lot of chances back and forth. It was a very exciting game uh, with, uh, with Montreal. Um, it was a great way to uh, kick off the season. Um, just exciting hockey there. And then uh, we got into the second game and uh, a lot of momentum from the first game carried over to there, but we kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, heading into the second to the third period. So um, there's a little bit of uh, worry from most Leafs fans after after that game. And then we came back with a strong third game and uh, we're two and one. I think that's pretty good after a week's of play. Uh, but uh, I'd say it's a success for the first week. Uh, okay. <laughs> I totally disagree with that. I'm actually, we, in the first three games of the season, it's basically the same shit as last season. You have your opening game, you're down by a couple goals. Fine, run and gun, we use your skill, we win the game. What was the final score? What was it, 5-3 or something like that? 5-4. Um, yeah. No, overtime. game one was in five. Oh, overtime. shit, it was overtime. Yeah, so, yeah, my bad. 5-4. My bad. <laughs> but listen, 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 listen. So, we basically come from behind win the game oh wicked amazing star i had so much fun watching that game i had so much fun watching that game i missed it mm-hmm. second game sort of reminded me like uh you know the maple Leafs of old i think we we had the lead right and then all of a sudden ottawa turns around the game and then um that's it we lose what well, was the full score two was it five two the final score like i don't even want to remember three. these scores five three yeah okay and then so you have that game where you know, you versus a team that you didn't that they hadn't played in like 300 days. We have a third game where, um, uh, fine, they played a good game. They played, they didn't allow 7,000 goals. But yeah, you're left with that. So how is it that much of a success? It's the same shit as last season. Uh, what, what I was saying for, for a success is that we're not 0-3. <laughs> we're 2-1. and 1. So um, to me, that's a success. But you can't expect... 3-0 and and they're playing lights out hockey. Um, if you look league-wide, goals are up this year. Uh, that's that's attributed to a short training camp, not really much preseason games. We didn't have any preseason games at all. And we have a goalie that is a notorious slow starter. So nine goals over the first two games for him. Uh, it's not surprising in in from recent, recent years. Obviously, we want a better start. We want low goals goals scored against and high goals uh, goals for but uh two and one to me uh, for the first week is pretty good and i think that second game we really i think the guys really did looked at ottawa as an easy win and they kind of took their foot off the gas and that's what the result ended up being but ottawa and montreal i gotta give it to them they're pretty good teams i'm not gonna say they're like you just go in there you get two points they're they're good team no, they're going to be tough to beat. In Montreal especially, look really good. It just doesn't seem like what month or what time of year it is. Freddie's going to always just 
start slow. It's a little bit annoying now, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a contract year two, and I get it, no training camp, but nobody had training camp. None of these teams. Some of these teams haven't played, like you said, Jasper, in 300 days. So, Freddie, I don't know. Um, I really hope that he doesn't take a month to get to where we need him to be. It's frustrating. First month bad, and then normally in the playoffs, he doesn't steal you in the games. It's, it's not something I look forward to. I hope he can change it for us. Otherwise, I expect Campbell getting a few more starts. But the positives, which come from a negative, are, are new additions. I thought in the first game, everyone was testing each other out. It was exciting to watch Jasper, I agree. The second game was so annoying. And at that point, we're talking about it in our group chat. I thought, yeah, Thornton on the top line, that's not going to work. Yeah, take him off. Uh, TJ Brody looks like any other Leafs defense we've signed the past 10 years. Just all this hype comes in and does, you know, terrible job and it's bad signing. I could see all this stuff crumbling. And I think that's just the, the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of a Leaf fan, you know, there's <laughs> the negative side of it. Um, but that's why I'm saying the positives, I'm finally going to get to it, is that last game against Ottawa, even though Ottawa is supposed to be a bottom dweller this season in this North Division, I thought we played really well against them. We bounced back. We played defensively really well. We had great penalty kill. Brody looked amazing. Thornton looked great. Simmons was still really good. VC I didn't mind it neither. So I think our new additions bounced back after a bad loss. And I was going to bring this up to you guys. Do you think it's because that Leaf crowd isn't there? Like, I know online the presence is still there. And I know the media is still there. But, like... There's a physicality to it that's missing. And I know they were both away games, but let's face it, when we're in Ottawa, it's a home game. So do you think that has anything to do with it, maybe, in the minds of these players? I would say no, um, mainly because, well, I mean, in Ottawa, probably, yeah, because we do have a lot more Leafs fans there than they, there would be Ottawa fans, but... Let's, let's be real. ACC is not really – we're not really having a home ice advantage there. The, the guys are not really that – fans don't really come out and, and cheer like they should, like, like we would cheer on a, on a regular game. Like there's not many uh, fans like us in the ACC that would give them like that home ice. Like if you go to a Raptors game compared to a Leafs game, it's night and day on, on how the fans come out and support the team. Um, so I don't know. I, I think – I, that's a good point that you brought up. I think this year it might actually help them that there's not uh, much fans in the arena uh, because, you know, anything goes wrong um, in the past. Uh, these guys usually like, – and there is passionate fans in the ACC, but uh, not as – not like we, we've, see, we've talked about this in the past. Too. It's not like we would want them to see. And I don't know, Jasper, you could probably talk, talk more on this. Um, the the fans you mean in the in the yeah. arena? I think I think we're gonna miss being able to go to other arenas and it being a home crowd, such as going to every other Canadian arena and having so many Leaf fans. Um, but I don't think it totally has an impact. Look, I think we might overestimate the impact it does have on games. To be honest, um, and if you look at the game against Ottawa, uh, even without like in a general setting, we would have had so many Maple Leaf fans in Ottawa 
and we're thinking, oh, it would have you know fired it fired us up even more. But you know, the game against Ottawa yesterday was like I'm looking at the the Corsi Fenwick the Fen, I think it's Corsi Fenwick numbers the advanced stats. It's crazy. We had we had the puck like like two thirds of the time. It was a it was a great performance. I want to see that more consistently though. Do I think the fans being there is going to affect it? Uh, probably, probably not. They're going to say that, but they just kind of tune into the game. I think when they get there, we're just annoying yeah. for them. No, <laughs> I agree. But I think what I was trying to actually get to, and I don't know if I was clear, is once a player, for example, Brody, has a bad game like he did on Saturday night, or sorry, Friday night. Yeah. He he bounced back really easily. So I guess my point is, without the fans physically being there, do you think that takes some sort of mental stigma out of the player? I, oh, yes. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would say so. But you're still going to have your social media, still going to have yeah. the reporters talking, um, regardless of what happens. You know, um, you had uh, the second game. It's always recency bias with this market, for though. Uh, you have a good game. Um, they're only going to list the positives. They're always going to look at, you know, why can't they do this more? You have a bad game and they're just going to just say, Oh, you know, this roster is not built for uh, long-term success. So uh, w- the way I look at it is uh, regardless if a new player come in, comes in like a Brody and has a good game or not, um, it's all just going to be on, the extended period of time where they have success or don't have success. So um, yes, the fans, what in the past, if they did have a bad game uh, or two, they would let them hear it. And, you know, that does play into the mental aspect of their game, which we've seen in the past. But I think this year, regardless of what happens, uh, they're going to hear it through social media. They're going to hear it through, you know, reporting because there's not much else that they can do um but to answer your question in in game yeah it probably is going to lighten the load a little bit look i I think at the end of the day the real test will come in the playoffs um for any of these guys but just do do you think that uh 56 games is going to be enough time i think it does like, how many games do you think is going to be enough for us to assess how the matchup is going to go with Brody and, 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 and Riley? Because in the game one, it, I, I don't like the fact that they both shoot the same way. It didn't, uh, um, doesn't suit well for me, but then it worked well on uh, yesterday. I feel like we're going to keep going in circles. Yeah, I feel like we're going to keep going in circles. Brody's left-handed, but he normally plays on the right side. He did in Calgary, too. It's just, yeah. not, you're yeah. not taking him off his, I guess, uh, preferred position. Uh, it is weird to see, but, you know, I honestly, I mean, disclaimer, I'm not a professional athlete. I've played ice hockey, but not professional. I realize that. But when I played hockey, I would be on the right side, whether it be on the wing or on the back end, and I'm a left-handed shot. And I personally didn't feel a discomfort. I understand, but these guys are way better than me. So I feel if someone's okay playing on that side, I shouldn't feel too worried about his mm-hmm. defensive position. If he's a solid defender, he's getting paid for it, he should be okay with the position that he prefers. Okay, well, fine. He's actually- can, can we give him two or three weeks more? Then I can start complaining about him? 
Does that work? <laughs> I say give him ten. Give him ten. Ten games. games? Ten games. Ten Fine. games. Okay, I'll be quiet ten for games. ten games. But but the thing is, Brody has played most of his career on his offhand. Uh, so it's not for him. It might look weird to us or or to you, but to him, it's normal. It's not like he's like out of position. Like, uh, who did we get? Uh, recently that we had to play him on his offhand and it, it just didn't work out. Uh, Muzzin. 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 Yeah. yeah. So Muzzin, when we got him, he was playing on, I believe, his right side. And uh, Babcock had him there when we first acquired him. And it only lasted three or four games. And he went over to the left side, um, back to his natural side. So, I mean, if a guy is okay playing his offhand for an extended period of time and he looks good. And what, that's what Brody is really brought in here for. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Um, it Fair shouldn't enough. bother you either. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I just, I, I, I but, just want games. I want more games where you don't allow somebody cool. Okay. Let me, let me no, live. Let me, and you know what? I think the done. way they, play, the way they played on the Saturday night, it actually defensively kind of impressed me. Um, and other than that, Tim Stutzler's first career goal, which was spectacular. What a goal. Uh, mm-hmm. They played, what a they played goal. pretty well. I thought Campbell was pretty well, too. Um, so, going back to that game, how do you guys think the team did? I mean, obviously, Marner's line dominated. They got all three goals. Jumbo Joe looked like he was, you know, 38 again. <laughs> <laughs> they they looked good. I thought they looked pretty good. I even Matthew's got one, and you know what? His goal scoring drought ended after two and a half games. So, oh we'll my! Imagine, imagine, imagine he went three whole games without scoring. <laughs> well, the headline tomorrow wouldn't have been about the game, and it wouldn't. It would be all about him, not scoring. The drought. Yeah, you knew he was going to yeah. score eventually. He had like a trillion shots in game one against Montreal, I think. And, he had a lot of good chances. Yeah. He's yeah. looked good so far. I have no complaints about his game, really. Uh, Marner's game, the first two, his play in the first two games, I was kind of iffy about. I thought he was trying too hard to make the perfect play and, you know, get on the highlight reel every single time, but he was just missing the net. He was missing the net more than Thomas Caberlet, So, See, yeah. unfortunately for him, he's, he's tied now to his contract. I don't care. The, the people that say, oh, you can't keep talking about a contract, no, you can keep talking about his contract. Mm-hmm. Your expectations are going to be with your contract. And so his contract, what, is he making a million or a million and a half less than Matthews? We want you to put up numbers and you want you to be as dominant as those guys. Um, and that's why I was saying to you guys before. Um, if someone if, if someone had to tell me who's more valuable in the team, Nylander or Marner, I'm picking Nylander just because of no, what you get based no. on his cap hit. What is, based on his cap hit. How is that not? I'm not talking about overall players. I'm talking about based on I, his I, cap hit. He is more valuable to the team. I get what you're saying, for sure. He's a more valuable um, asset, you mean. Like, go ahead. Roster, yeah. Roster-wise, yeah. He's be- he's a more valuable yes. asset because you're, his what he brings based on his contract, uh, it there's great value there. But if you're asking who's the better player, it, Marner's still the better player, and you'd want him on your team regardless, right? I know the think, cap hit is high, but you know, in a couple of years, that cap hit might be normal. You never know, right? Yeah, and also his—I know his cap hit is high, yeah, but like he's—he's led our team in points for what two of the last three seasons, I think, mm-hmm. or three, all three. I don't remember exactly last year, but he's 
He plays in the PK. He's got magic hands. He's like elite passer. Not many other players are making that much in the league. I get it. But there's some people that are making that much and you would not want them over Marner. I'll tell you that much. But I feel eventually the young stars are going to make like they're going to start, you're going to see the numbers go up. Maybe not like right away because of what's going on with, with COVID right now, but eventually the young stars in the game are going to be paid in that area. And he's one of the top young stars in the game. You can't, you can't deny that just based on his body of work. So, uh, I mean, if three years down the road, uh, he's still putting up the same numbers. I don't mind it. Uh, I don't mind the, the cap hit. Yeah. You would want to use the money in different areas of the roster to, you know, spread it out, but you have an elite player. You can't, <laughs> I know years past we were, uh, we're just hoping for that and we didn't get that. And, and now we have one and we're like, why do we have one at this number? Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not complaining about um, his, his player. I do think he's an overall better player than Nylander. All I'm saying is that uh, I, Based on what Nylander seems to be bringing on a uh, night in, night out basis, he is uh, and his contract asset wise, he's he's probably you're probably more likely to get a call for Nylander than you are Marner if you're a team that can't spend a trillion dollars is what I'm saying. But uh, for sure, um, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I'm glad. So far, I'm glad. Right? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad the whole yeah. Yeah, and so far Dubas has found a way to get them all under contract and surround them with pretty good pieces, uh, which brings me to my next topic, guys. How long do you think Thornton will last in that top line? Because he looked good last game, but it's been, you know, late or midway through the third. We've seen Hyman back on that line. We've seen Tavares go jump, take a few shifts with Matthews and Marner. So how long do you think it'll last? Do you think it'll last all season? Do you think it can or it should? Yeah, I think it's if you look at um, Thornton's probably going to be playing at least ten minutes, probably more than about ten minutes less than the, uh, Marner and Matthews on that line. So it gives time for them to be on the ice, I guess, with with Hyman. Um, so we'll probably see them. We'll probably see Thornton on the line throughout the whole season. But I think, um, I think when games get really tough. Uh, we're going to see Hyman on the ice more. So to answer your question, yes, we'll continue to see him, but in varying degrees and probably less as the games get tougher towards the end of the season. That's the way I think. Yeah, I, I agree. He's not – so the thing is, his his minutes are not going to be in, in the 20s at all uh, this season. I, I think he'll probably be in the 13, 14-minute range. Um, he'll probably stay on that line uh, for the most part of the season, but I think what – Keith wants to do is just insert like a Hyman throughout the game or, or another piece and have Thornton sit. Um, it's not like he's going to be playing the full game with them, but uh, I don't mind it. Um, he, yeah, I know in game one and two, he did look a little slower compared to the, to the other two guys, but game three, he sniped a goal. I don't, I don't mind that. I, I agree. I think that, for now, especially after that last game, I mean, why won't you stick with them for a little bit? Going back to what we said about Brody, at least wait 10 games maybe, unless if it absolutely fails the next few here. But I'd say wait a little bit. But at the same time, 
Matthews and Marner, they've been playing about, I don't know what they're averaging now. The first game was over 25 minutes each, I think. Other than Riley, they were playing the most by any other player on the team. This isn't Babcock, it's Keefe. Babcock had them under 18 or so minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think 25 is maybe a bit much? Because I know it's a shortened season and these guys are, what, 23, 24, but I have a hard time wanting them to keep that rate in the shortened, condensed season. Yeah, I think 25 is a lot. Uh, That's ridiculous. I get, I get, yeah, I, I get that he wants to – it's nice to see that he uh, – it's a change from Babcock. He, he, he relies on his top guys. He wants to get the most out of his top guys. Um, but you have to look at the sustainability of a full shortened season. Like you can't just keep running out guys 25 minutes a night and they're going to be multiple back-to-backs uh, coming up. So I think I would be more comfortable with them playing in the low twenties other than like going 25. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's sustainable. Them going twenty five minutes a night. It's. It yeah, seems like a lot. They're gonna get gassed. They're gonna get yeah. gassed, right? They're yeah. like, gonna get. Like I know they're young, but in the first game, Matthews in overtime, man, like he was barely moving at one point oh, before yeah. he made that pass. Like he was tired. Yeah. This is why. This is why we need to play the hockey we played yesterday, where we had the puck most of the time, where we weren't allowing so many goals. Um, we need to play more of that hockey so we don't have to rely on throwing Tavares, Marner, Matthews all in the same line um, all the time. We have to be more business about the regular season. It can't just be these. I know, look, I know this division is going to be tough. And I know the NHL, there's almost no games. It's not like the NBA where you can walk into a city and, and slap up a team. But they need to be a bit more um, uh, consistent with their results so that guys like Marner and Matthews don't have to play 25 minutes a night because it's not sustainable. And then by the time the playoffs comes, they're going to be battered up and won't be able to win a series. That's my fear, at least. I don't care if they're young. I think it's a real fear. Yeah, it, ma- it makes sense. Like, you you can't uh, let – you got to let all four lines roll. Um, but having guys play 25 minutes a night, it's going to take away from, you know, if, if these guys, are, especially on back-to-backs, if they're not – ready for the second game you're paying 25 minutes you're not going to put them you're going to put them again for another 25 minutes these guys are not going to perform to the level that we're expecting so I think he should roll four lines and here's a thought for me I know Martyr has been pretty he's been decent on the PK but they use him a lot on the PK there's some other guys that can come in that position and do a good job like, what do you guys think? Do you think Marner should stay on the PK, given how much minutes he already plays? They tried out Matthews on there, too, uh, for a bit, but it, obviously they took him off now. But I don't know if he's, like, really killing it that much for him to be on the PK constantly. What do you guys think? I think he's a great penalty killer. Uh, I agree that if you have other options, especially if they're just as good, should go that route, just the maybe give him some rest. But I think Mitch, much more than Matthews, he's experienced and he's a great PKer. He's one of the best skilled forwards we've had in our team in a long time since maybe even Madison Dean. I can kill a penalty. Just off of what I've seen. Um, but Kerfoot, Hyman, 
I think Barabanov and Mikheyev were also killing penalties. So yeah. there are yeah. some options. There are. I want to I see them kill them, but like, yeah, but they, like, I want them to all know, especially the, the core players, they need to know what it takes to win. And part of what it takes to win is being on the power, I mean, being on the penalty kill and doing the, the less flashy thing. So I'm all for Marner. Keep staying on the, on the, on the penalty kill. I think it's good. Just wait until he takes a Weber slap shot to the ankle. He's out six weeks. Oh my, <laughs> the knee. Yeah, <laughs> hits him on the side. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna God. be cracked. But it almost happened to Austin the first game, but we missed them. Maybe if we take less penalties, like taking uh, too many uh, too many men on the ice, I think we've taken what two of those already this season, <laughs> or it yeah, feels like very, it. They um, were very careful last night not to take that penalty. They almost did. Okay, so something else interesting has happened this week other than the start of the regular season. It's the commissioner, Gary Bettman, talking, you know, opening his mouth, saying a few different things, one of which it would cost less money to not have an NHL season this year at all. But the owners, out of the goodness of their hearts, are doing this for the fans and for hockey. And Bush League. I don't I don't know what to say about that. I just want to let you guys talk and I will speak my two cents after. That's Bush League. Okay, there's a reason why. If you look at um there's a reason why he, he we're not the first, second, or third biggest sports in America. Okay. And Batman saying that as if you know the league doesn't need to keep playing because they want to get a big American TV deal. Like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, uh, all the owners nowadays have made so much money on their team, team's value increasing. I remember once upon a time, I think the Leafs were the only billion dollar team in the NHL. I think you have a couple, you have a couple of teams that are worth so much more money than when the owners purchased them. I'm thinking about Vegas, right? Um, and so, to kind of throw it in all their faces and saying, oh, we're doing you a favor here. Give me a break. Give me a break. Ridiculous. Um, and, and you know what, from a public, from a, uh, you know, a PR perspective, someone should have told him not to say that. And he should have just said, we're amped for this season to start. We know it's going to be tough financially for the league. Um, but hockey is important. And that's it. Yeah. I, I think, think you nailed owners, You don't think the owners poked him to maybe say it? That's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering if they did. And if they did, they're so out of touch. And, um, yeah, I think they, he totally dropped the ball with that, with that comment. Yeah, yeah so it, it, could, I, I, it, it could be, actually. You know what? Like, I, I think maybe the owners did. He, he is one of – he's, like, just, like, a sheep speaking for the owners most of the time anyways. So, um it's it could be that the owners are they're losing money on uh you know concessions and all that type of stuff uh that uh they're not going to make this year so they're just like why why should we go and and have a whole season uh when we can save costs and you know just uh when everything is better we can restart then but i don't think that again uh, jasper you nailed it that is bush league it's not it's not right for the league 
especially when the other three major sports are still operating uh, at full capacity. Um, yeah, there's been cancellations because of COVID protocol and whatnot, but they're still making do and, and people are still tuning in. And, you know, there is some excitement uh, day in, day out from just sports. Uh, so if you're going to tell your hockey fans in, in, in the biggest league in Cantwell, North, one of the biggest leagues in North America that, yeah, we're, we're gonna, just going to cancel and uh, you guys can figure it out uh, next season. That is terrible. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about the guy because in one aspect, he expands the league to places like Arizona and more of the Californias and stuff like that, which brings hockey to people that would never, don't even know what ice is. You know what I mean? Like without Batman, there'd be no Austin Matthews right now in a way, if you think about it because of the connection with the Coyotes and Shane Doan and all that. And for that, he's done a great job building the sport. But then he goes around and says something like this. It's like, what are you talking about? It's, it's, I feel a little disrespectful um, to the players, to the fans as well, uh, just to show that, hey, remember, these guys that make way more money than all of you they're doing this because they want to make sure you're entertained. It's like, okay. Like, the fuck's your point, you know? It's stupid. I don't know. And then not bringing the team to Quebec. Quebec needs a second team, and yet he expands it to other places. I think, end of the day, shooting the shot doesn't like Batman. Is that fair to say? <laughs> he's, he's whatever, I'd say. I, he's I'd okay. Say, uh, he's a... He, he, He's Out of the, the four four commissioners, he's probably the third worst. So we don't <laughs> hate you. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not. I say Goodell. Goodell, you. Goodell is Bettman, the worst. Yeah, G- Gary Bettman. If you ever decide to listen to this podcast, um, we don't really hate you. You're just the third worst uh, commissioner in our in, in our ranking. Who would you say is your favorite? Adam Silver. Adam's I love that my guy. Favorite. Yeah, he's I love he's, that guy. he's the pro, like prototypical. If you want a commissioner in a league, you got Adam Silver there. He's he's the guy. Ramen. We for, we forgot one thing. Yeah. Spezza getting put on waivers. Wow. Okay. So I think by the time this is actually out, it would be we know what will happen to him because right now, in this moment, at nine forty-five p.m. on Sunday night. He's currently on waivers with Aaron Dell. Will he get picked up? I don't know because he said that he would instantly retire if he goes anywhere mm-hmm. else because he just wants yeah. to take leaves or retire. But I don't really understand this move because I understand Nick Robertson got injured and he's probably going to go on the IR. And they just recalled Pierre Engvall, mm-hmm. which I understand too. Uh, actually, now saying that it's probably all for cap. Because it is, yeah. Robertson was was a league minimum, same thing with Spezza, and then I think Engwall's making one point and change, whatever it is, million a season. So it's a cat move, but I don't know. I I, I thought he played really great. In his I, I yeah, I, I don't. I didn't get it either. I I looked at it and I'm like, he's doing well in what he's doing, 
and uh, they put him on waivers. But it, I think it just comes down to cap. And uh, there's been so many reports out that it, if a team does claim him, he's just going to retire. Um, so I think teams knowing that are not going to probably waste their time or cap or uh, roster space just to claim him when the guy doesn't report. So I think Dubas probably already went through this with Spezza and just was like, yeah. hey, uh, we're probably going to put you on the taxi squad for – uh, for a bit, you're going to be on waivers. Um, and he's probably communicated through his agent. Hey, if I'm going to be claimed anywhere else, I'll just retire. Cause uh, I think heading into the season, it was, it was either he signs back with the lease or he retires. So um, for him to move his family now to go to another city, I don't think he wants to do that at this point in his career. So I'm not this concerned about this. Yeah. I'm not concerned about Spezza getting claimed. I, I, although I don't understand why they're bringing up Engvall um, over Spezza. Maybe he needs a break. I could be, um, but I'm not concerned about that. More concerning for me is that our goalie depth got exposed now. Yeah, um, we already got McElhaney. He's gone. Uh, we or not McElhaney. Sorry, how was he? Hutchison. Hutchison. Uh, Hutchison is gone. Man, I wish we still had McElhaney. Uh, Hutchison is gone, and uh, now we expose Dell, and he's gonna get claimed easily. So, like, if one of our guys gets injured, the hell is happening? Wait, I might have missed this. Where's Hutchison? Did he get claimed? I think so. I, I don't know I, if he got claimed or is I he, think he's is just he in still the in the minors? Is he in the I minors? Think he's in the okay. minors. Yeah, I, I know they placed him on Yeah, yeah I, I don't think anyone, nobody picked uh, that garbage up. Okay, so <laughs> no, Hutchison, 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 Hutchison got claimed. Did he? Did he? I don't remember that. Yes, see, yes, see, he so, did. I saw, he got it's such an inconse- inconsequential move that we didn't really even probably pay attention. He's under, he's under contract. Okay, no, he, right he's okay. He's still on the contract. He, that's okay, what that's, I thought. He got he won waivers. He cleared. I don't think right. he got taken. So that, that's probably. Regardless, Aaron Dell is better than Hutchinson. Yeah, I yeah. believe, and I agree, Vern. Realistically, that's a, a far more alarming move if we lose it, and most likely, and probably Edmonton's going to take him. Yeah, Edmonton's, Edmonton's in town in a couple of days, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens. But speaking of which, even with Dell gone, I have to say I'm quite confident with. Campbell. Oh yeah. Backing up Frederick. Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm, I'm more I'm more confident in Campbell than I am in Freddie Freddie at this point. Yeah. And I told you guys I love this. myself. Uh... I told you guys this the other day on Friday when 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 we lost, I told you they're gonna win Saturday's game. There's just something about Freddie when he starts the season. The guys have no confidence in front of them whatsoever. And we see these high-scoring games. And this is not just this year. It's happened, like, year after year. I don't know what the hell happens. He just starts off slow. We look like shit. And our backup comes in. And, like, we have a really good backup in in Campbell. But, you know, a new goalie comes in, and we're playing amazing hockey. And then tomorrow (laughs) – well, another game will come by and we're playing this, doing the same shit over again. 
I don't know what it is, but I feel that is a big factor. Like they don't have the confidence in front of him to play a defensively sound game. I don't know whether it's sometimes he'll just let in like a fluky goal and then it's just, they just stop playing or I don't know. I don't know what the hell happens to these guys. Uh, but yeah, Campbell's solid. One yeah. A, one B controversy. <laughs> premature. I, I don't think there's going to be. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The thing about Freddie, like I know, I mean, we exactly. talked about it all podcasting a lot. Last podcast, podcast. Sorry, he starts slow. He's not looking great. Although he made some key saves against Ottawa on Friday to kind of keep us in, even though it was what was a five three at that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a couple of big saves. So in, at the end of the day, that's what you want from a goalie to make the timely saves. And he made them in that game. So I'm really hoping that he bounces back quickly. Otherwise, his legacy, he'll be known as that notorious slow starter, and that's it, instead of a champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of legacies, this is something, a segment I wanted to bring up this week to see what it will be like. It's called Leafs Legacy. We talk about a former Leaf player or uh, someone in management, whether it's a coach, manager, president, etc. And we kind of break down their legacy from start to finish and what it means now and what it will mean moving forward. Uh, and this week, I had to go with a player. I was I really wanted to go with the coach, actually our previous coach, but I think I want to go with somewhat of a lovable character. Uh, which is Thomas Caberlin. What would you guys think (laughs) Thomas Caberlin's legacy as a Maple Leaf is? Because we know his career, how it ended off with the Cup. But Thomas Caberlin, the Toronto Maple Leaf, what's his legacy, Jasper? Tell me. Okay. When I think of Thomas Caberlin, one, I immediately think of Brian McCabe. Mm-hmm. That's uh, almost the first thing that uh, comes to mind. And for whatever reason, I think of him being him and McCabe being like yin and yang, where McCabe is like your big slap shot and mm-hmm. Carberlay is the guy. I, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I thought of Carberlay as a quiet guy who was just like always going to give you the, the pass you needed and was always going to uh, be calm and even his personality was calm. And I think because of that, people probably don't even know who, like the casual fan now might not even know who Carberley is anymore because of his, I don't know, lack of personality versus someone like mm-hmm. Tucker. I love Carberley, by the way. He's one of my favorite players out of that generation in the late in the late 90s, early 2000s. But I don't remember, I don't remember too much about him because I don't think he had the biggest personality, especially behind like, Domi, Tucker, Robert, Sundin, Belfour. Um, so, yeah, so legacy, solid defenseman, one of my favorites. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than that. Well, let me break it down for you. In 1996, he was drafted in the eighth round, back when we had eight rounds, 204th overall by the Maple Leafs. He, yeah. Yeah, crazy. He played one, two, I don't know how many seasons with the Leafs more than 10 it's been about 12 years at the leaps 12 seasons where he had multiple 
50 plus seasons, including a 67 point season after the lockout, uh, which he was, I think, I think he was our leading scorer one year, or he was up there. Him and McCabe after that lockout were lights out. Mm-hmm. And you say you think of McCabe. When I, when I think of Cabriolet, I think of him never taking the shot. Just he has <laughs> the puck, puck at the point, and he's about to – and he had a hard slap shot too, harder than yeah. any of our defenders now. And he just would not shoot. Um, but – I think overall, he's a great player. One of our best defensemen, to be honest with you, that we've ever had, at least that I've ever witnessed during my uh, lifetime. It's just crazy to say. But in terms of a player, I don't think he'll ever have like his jersey honored or retired in the city. And I agree, not many people will remember him either. Uh, the fans that watched him will, but the fans that grew up with the Phil Kessel era, you know, even though Cabriolet was here for a bit of it before he got traded to Boston, he they probably don't remember him too much. This makes me sad. Yeah. Cabriolet was well, one of my favorite guys. This makes me sad. <laughs> he he was I, I'd say his legacy is one of the most uh, one of the more consistent Leafs defensemen in our history. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've had a ton of players, but. From what we've watched, he's been one of the most. He's been a constant on the back end, and uh, I'm I'm the same. I remember having my frustrations with him. I'm just take the shot, you know, like never never shot the puck, and he was a pass first guy. But that's he played his role. He was he was true to what he did. Uh, yeah, he didn't have much of a personality, as you said, Joshua, <laughs> but he was uh, he was true to what he did, and. Um, him and McCabe are synonymous for Leafs fans who started watching late nineties, early two thousands. You, you just remember those guys as your, your D corp uh, at that time and heading into, you know, when we, we switched over to the Kessel era, these guys were on their way out. Um, but I think his legacy, as you said, Raymond, he's not going to be, his jersey's not going to be retired. He's not going to have his, Number there. He's just going to be like one of those solid alumni that the Tuckers, the Domies that, you know, you see them at games or you see them with at events and you're just like, yeah, you know, that was a leaf. That's, that's our, that's our guy. Uh, basically it, he wasn't, he was a solid player, uh, not a superstar in any sense, but solid guy. Solid guy. He's our second, he's our second Highest scoring defenseman, but behind Boris Helmy. Can you believe that? Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. He played a long time here, right? and he was great, especially after lockout. He had crazy numbers, you know, and he, he wasn't terrible defensively. After McCabe left, he was kind of exposed a bit, mm-hmm. but he was still a great player, and he did help, and I put that lightly, help the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. Uh, so, you know, I saw, I saw a report, the, uh, it was around the start of the pandemic. Um, he was helping his wife. His wife has a restaurant in Toronto and he was helping his wife deliver, um, food. It was, it's an Italian, Italian restaurant here, Quanto Basta. So he was delivering takeout orders. Imagine knocking on your door. I mean, someone knocking on your door and Thomas Carberley is delivering your food 
I'm invited. That'd be amazing. I don't care for skip the dishes right now. I don't. I don't. Probably retire and skip the dishes. Good on him, man. He needs something. I don't. It's his wife's restaurant. I don't. I don't. I don't even care if it's a pandemic. I'm inviting him in to have the dinner with me. And uh, of course, yeah. man, that's Thomas Caberly. <laughs> Quanto Basta. We got to go check that spot out after the pandemic, of course. If it it's survived. Um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to say as oh long as it's open. So. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, if you can't afford anybody else but your husband to do the deliveries, you might not be able to pay the bills right now. <laughs> Let's no, I, I, ho- I hope them all the best, of course. I love Thomas Caberlet, uh, who's a little bit of a Melvin, I thought, but uh, overall. <laughs> he was, man. <laughs> he was a Melvin. I mean, look at the picture. That's the biggest... For, for our listeners who don't know who, what a Melvin is, if you don't know, most likely you are a Melvin. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just know what a Melvin is. When you is see it... one, you know one. It was one of the most awkward interviews after the game. Like every every time I'd watch this guy, I'd just be like, have a smile on my face and be like, what the fuck? But again, man, he's solid guy. Uh, definitely a Melvin, but Wait, that's his legacy. That's his it, legacy. <laughs> am I am I making something up? When like, did he have a be- did he all of a sudden have a beard once? during his interviews or something because i know he was always clean when i think of him he's clean shaven but for some reason I, this what, image when, when he went to boston i think he didn't have a beard with toronto did he i don't think he no maybe he had a dirty stash or something like that but i don't know if about a beard i think Mitch Marner can grow more facial hair than fucking thomas cabrera bro <laughs> oh man this, I, I swear to god i like the guy <laughs> He's a great player. Just, I mean, you got to be able to laugh at your players, you know? I mean, wait until we talk about Phil Kessel in this podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got to be able to do that, joke around with these guys. I mean, they're – again, Thomas Caberlet, great player for us. All right, I think with that, they'll leave us to next week. We have uh, Leafs play four games this week, a couple of the Jets, I think, Edmonton twice, or at least once, if I'm not mistaken. That'll be it's fun. Gonna be a t- it's going to be a tough week. We're going to see some talent. Patrick Linus playing great. And, of course, uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are not easy to play against. So it's going to be a great game and a great week. So what do you guys think? Four games, how are we going to survive this weekend? We're going to go three and one. And Connor McDavid's going to get zero goals. And then... I'm going to wake up and realize that was a dream because I actually think we're probably going to go two and two and um, Connor McDavid's probably going to light us up on one of those nights. So that's my realistic yeah, prediction. Two and two. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Two and two. Um, there's no easy wins, man. That's, that's the thing. Uh, every team has something that they're, they're, they all have good players. So two and two, I, I would love for it to be three and one. I, I don't know. We could go three and one. Edmonton's goalie situation is not the greatest right now. So if we have a good offensive game, we could win a game like 6-5 and come out with a win like that. But, yeah, I'll go 2-2. Two two. I'm going to go 2-1-1 one and one in our only regulation loss against Edmonton with 
Arendelle starting. All right, guys. Oh. Until next week. This is fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Shooting the Shot with Jizzy, Rambo, and the V-Dub. Take care, guys. <laughs>